Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This podcast contains discussions of child abuse, sexual repression and sexual abuse, suicide, racism, misogyny, PTSD and PTSD symptoms, and spiritual oppression and abuse, including guilt, shame, and fear. In most episodes, we will be mentioning some of these concepts in a general way without any graphic detail. If any of these topics or other triggering topics will be mentioned in great detail, we will let you know at the beginning of each individual episode, as well as in the show notes for that episode. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Gabrielle Hakoen, and I am here with my BFF, IFB cult survivor, Sadie Carpenter. Hello, I am Sadie Carpenter, and I have attended not one, but two of the strictest colleges in the United States. Two of them. Two of them. And I've talked about one extensively. Uh, Is that what we're going to talk about today? Yes. So people who are very familiar with my story will probably know that I went to Hiles Anderson College for two years, and then I left the year after Jack Scott was sentenced to 10 years in prison. What you may not know is that I then immediately started attending another one of the strictest colleges in the United States. Just didn't figure that out, did you? Well, we're, we're going to get into all of it, but today we're going to talk about Pensacola Christian College and my experience there. To me at the time, having just come from Hiles Anderson, Pensacola Christian was like heaven. Of course, it's still one of the strictest fundamentalist colleges in the world, but Pensacola Christian College has like better food and a water park and... Mm. 
it's it's less restrictive than Hiles Anderson. Today, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly about my time there, some of my funny stories, and what Pensacola is all about and how it's different from Hiles Anderson. Of course, we are definitely going to make sure we discuss the infamous gender-segregated elevator situation. So I'm extremely excited because all of those things that you mentioned, uh, water park, food, gender-segregated elevators, that sounds very intriguing. But before we get into that, the Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast. We talk about Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult in which she was raised. Uh, We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about religion. We talk about fundamentalism and the real and present danger that cults and cult-like ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you are a fan of our show... You can support us by joining our Patreon, going to patreon.com slash Leaving Eden Podcast, and you can find extended and uncensored versions of all of our episodes. You can also join our subreddit, which is going to be reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. You can join our Facebook group, which is going to be facebook.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. And if you really want to support our show, the best way that you can do that is just to recommend it to your family and your friends and your coworkers and maybe your mortal enemies. I don't know anyone who you think needs it. Yeah, I wanted to say a special thank you this week to everybody who has been tagging us and recommending us. Uh, I have seen so many people joining the Facebook group because one of you listeners tagged us somewhere. That is that is one huge way that we grow our show. And I just wanted to say a special thank you because some some people have been really on that this week. Yeah. And we've never done like ads for our show anywhere. We've never like recorded an advertisement and put it out on social media or put it out on anybody's show. All of our growth that we've ever had as long as we run this podcast has been entirely like organic and word of mouth, which I think is amazing. But hold on. I want to also thank our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons, which is Emery Fairlosser, Jessica Tambo. Catherine Schneider, Kathleen Moncrief, Kristen Marie, Linda Morgan, Ruthie, and Wes the Cowboy. Thank you so much for supporting our show in the way that you do. We love all of our patrons, but you guys really make this show possible. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much to those who have been recommending us and to all of our patrons, and especially to our Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. So, Sadie... Yes, that's me. Yes, that is you. To start us off, (laughs) why don't you give us a little background information on Cult College (laughs) Numero Dos, Pensacola Christian College. Okay, so Pensacola Christian College was founded by the Hortons, Arlen and Becca Horton, in 1974. So very close to the same time that Hiles Anderson College was started. The Hortons and Before I go any further, yes, we hear a lot of Horton Hears a Who jokes at Pensacola. (laughs) So they graduated from Bob Jones University and moved to Pensacola, Florida in the 1950s to start a Christian school. That was like their, it was their ministry. That was what they felt God was calling them to do. And then later on in 1974, they ended up founding Pensacola Christian College as like a, um, you know, their Christian school part two. 
or Christian college is kind of just the next thing that happened. I think it's important to note that unlike Hiles Anderson, this is not a college that was founded with the idea of only existing to churn out pastors and pastors' wives and other Christian ministry workers. So with that in mind, what sorts of programs were offered at this fine institution of higher Christian learning? I was not able to find a list of what the original degree programs were, but I assume that they were education-focused, like teaching degrees, because Hiles Anderson focuses on preaching and Christian ministry, and Pensacola focuses on Christian education and specifically making Christian teachers. So I looked this up on Wikipedia, a great source, uh, but Pensacola is... The only source we use on this podcast. (laughs) No, we use many... Many sorry, this that that is absolutely not true. <laughs> that is that is, uh, that is an ex cult member attempting to use sarcasm. Yeah, but you can you can see our sources for things. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, Pensacola though uh, it is billed as a Christian liberal arts college, not a Bible college. For one, I am surprised that there is any uh, IFB college that would put liberal in its title. Or in its like, yeah. you know, definition of what it is. We so. we will get to that. Um, mm. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to like that perception, like how that affects their perception among the fundamentalist world as a whole. So now Pensacola Christian College offers a wide array of degrees. They do have education degrees and they do have a seminary. So they do offer degrees in theology or a a degree in pastoral theology, like you intend to graduate from here and become a pastor. But they also offer degrees in like accounting and electrical engineering and criminal justice, computer science, nursing, pre-law, pre-medicine. But if you want your degree in marriage and motherhood, HAC might be the better choice for you. Yes. So just from my fundy inside information, the real fundies are not going to trust a ministry-specific degree from Pensacola. And I don't believe that PCC offers a college degree in homemaking. So there are definitely people who go to Pensacola looking for an MRS degree, but it's a much smaller it's a much smaller percentage of people than Hiles Anderson. Wait, so they're not going to trust a ministry degree from from AJ or no from Pensacola? Or right. the the okay. People who are Pensacola-style fundies are going to be thrilled with a ministry degree from Pensacola or from BJU or whatever. People who are Hiles Anderson brand fundies, yelling, screaming brand fundies, those people would never go to a church that was pastored by a Pensacola Christian College graduate. Oh, okay. So... So it's just a different reputation. Okay. Yeah. It's difficult to to express what I heard said about Pensacola Christian College without using any homophobic or sexist slurs. But the perception is that Pensacola is weak. They're too easy on their students. They're too liberal. The Hiles Anderson crowd and other like severe, severe fundamentalist colleges, they hate that Pensacola doesn't make their students go out and do ministry work, go soul winning all weekend. They hate that Pensacola has this very slick, polished appearance. The campus is nice. The food is good. They're very polite. They're very reserved. Nobody gets up behind the pulpit and screams about sin at Pensacola, maybe once in a while during like the yearly Bible conference, but that's not your typical Sunday service or your typical chapel service. You remember me talking about 
about Hiles Anderson priding themselves on being like boot camp, being like a Christian military school. While PCC is very strict, they put in maximum effort to steer away from that kind of reputation and that kind of branding. So to Hiles Anderson and Hiles Anderson type fundies, Pensacola is where you send your kid if they're rebellious and they want to go into a career that's not being a preacher or being a missionary. Pensacola is where you send your kid if that's the only Christian college that you can talk them into going to. So it's like it's for washouts. It's for sellouts. It's for people who couldn't handle HAC. So it's the Arizona state of uh, IFB related <laughs> schools. <laughs> I, I'm going to no, just sorry. trust I'm... you on that one. I have a friend who went to Arizona. It's a perfectly fine school, but it just has a reputation of being like a party school. The Hiles Anderson brand fundies, like what they really value is is things being really, really difficult. And they and, and, and Pensacola just isn't difficult, not in that way. I have a theory about this. What's your theory? So do you remember in the Paul Sand episode when we listened to that sermon from Jack Hiles and he talked about how he hated weekend trips and how you have to be in church on Sunday and not just any church, his church? Yes, that's that's very common Hiles messaging that we heard in that sermon. And the point of the sermon, you know, he called it his duty. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. He, it's your duty. <coughs> duty. <coughs> <laughs> Uh, it's your duty to go to his church. Uh, and if you only go because it's fun, then you aren't right with God. Right. The whole IFB <laughs> yeah. trope of if it's too much fun, it's probably a sin. If it's relaxing, it's probably a sin. So you can probably see where I'm going with this. Hiles has this Bible college that's basically just a big old like money funnel. So he can buy a Chrysler LeBaron for every one of his mistresses. I thought it was Buick's. <laughs> That was he it bought. Buicks? I thought it was a Buick that he bought like, for his um, alleged mistress. I just assumed Chrysler because Jack Hiles seems like the the Mopar type guy. I don't know, but I guess he's buying Buickless sabers for everybody. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, you got the right idea. Hiles Anderson is like some kind of war zone. You're barely eating. You're stressed out. You're doing ministry work all the time. And you look over at the Instagram post from somebody who goes to Pensacola. It's in sunny Florida. You don't even have to go out bus calling every weekend, uh, much less do that in the snow in Chicago. They have a water park. Their food looks good. The dorms are nice. The skirt lengths are two inches shorter. And you can even go to the beach. And it just kind of looks like paradise. <laughs> Exactly. So he's just got to go on this whole tirade and disparage the reputation of PCC because you guys are all looking at you like, that seems pretty nice, to be honest, man. People aren't screaming at me. And he's got to be like, no, they're bad. You can't go there. If you go there, you'll go to hell. <laughs> Right. It's if you go there, yeah. you're going to turn out. You're, you're never going to have the Holy Spirit's power and you're never going to change the world for God. And you're just going to be a lily livered, whatever. whatever. Based on your underwear. Yeah. Um. <laughs> no, he's got to do this so that none of his congregation is going to send his kids there and instead realize how much happier they are. Right. The thing oh, wait, was I in a cult? <laughs> well, the thing is, when it comes down to it, Pensacola Christian College is really just a little bit better than Hiles Anderson. From my perspective, as, as somebody who has gone to both, gotten, I have a little bit of, of retrospect on this. I would never encourage my child to go to PCC for any reason. <laughs> but Pensacola has a million times better branding 
So Heil Sanderson's rule is that your skirt can be two inches below your knee. It has to like touch and pull on the floor when you kneel. They make you kneel for dress check. It's a whole thing. Pensacola's rule is that the skirt can come to the top of your knee. So like we can see your your kneecap is not too slutty as long as we can't see anything higher than your kneecap. The Pensacola allows shorter sleeves partially just because it's freaking hot. Boys don't have to wear a tie to class every day. Girls don't have to wear hosiery except for Sunday morning church and formal events. Uh, girls can even wear basketball shorts instead of culottes for sports. Wow. Basketball shorts have a divided leg. A divided leg. What? Yeah. So... But, but no okay, way. so looking at this from the fundy perspective, that's so sinful. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God, I can hem all of my squirt, my skirts an inch shorter. I can sell my stock in the hosiery companies that I've been keeping in business for two years at Hiles Anderson. I can wear sandals. Oh my God, I can wear sandals. Like PCC allows you to wear sandals to class as long as they're not flip flops. Like they have to have a, a strap on the heel. But I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, I can wear sandals. Did you have to wear heels to class at, at HAC? You do not have to wear heels, but you do have to wear like, dress shoes, like flats or heels. Oh, okay. But Still. I usually, but most people wore heels when I was there. But at Pensacola, you can wear like little, I had like real cute little like wedge sandals that I wore all the time. I, I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be so much better. And And now, though. Seven, eight years later, I look back at that and I realize Pensacola Christian College is still controlling clothing to a very high degree, but they're just slightly less strict than Hiles Anderson. So that little bit of slippage in the quote unquote standards is enough to be really, really attractive to young women who, for social reasons or for personal reasons or for family reasons, whatever, if you need to be at a Christian college, but there's no way you're going to put up with Hiles Anderson's bullshit. Pensacola looks like a really, really good choice. So imagine being an IFB teenager. You get two pieces of promotional material. One of them is for Hiles Anderson College, and the other one is for Pensacola Christian. The Hiles Anderson College one shows people freezing their butts off in Chicago, sitting on a bus with like five children hanging off of them. It's talking about hard work and servitude and marriage and motherhood degrees. And all of the photos for this are like very grayscale because it's gray in Chicago all the time. <laughs> and like they all kind of look like they were taken on a grainy digital camera. And the Pensacola Christian College one is like bright and crisp. And there's all this like very uh, like royal blue everywhere. And there's pictures of beaches and water slides and fountains that kind of look like something that someone would have worn in the last 10 years. And it's like, have fun in a Christian environment. Which college is going to get your application? They, I bet they're not serving you slop at the dining hall either, I bet. Oh, okay. You know? So let's talk about the food. Let's do this. Yeah, let's talk about this food. Because when I was... When I was looking at college, this is 11 or 12 years ago. Jesus, man, I'm old. Remember that one of the ways that they would really try to sell you on the school was with the food. So you'd go there, you'd go on the tour, and then at the end, they'd send you and your parents to the meal hall, and they'd have like the burrito station, they'd have pizza, they'd have the giant salad bar, they'd have, you know, soup. You know, they'd probably have like a, you know, tomato bisque uh, going on that was probably pretty good. Uh, there would be a yakisoba or teriyaki chicken, you know, then you'd be like impressed. You go there and you're like, man, this the food is banging. I'm going to be eating great for four years. And then you finally get to college and you realize that most days the food would be all right. 
but when it was like Prosby Day, you know, prospective student day, they'd make sure the food was like fire. So number one, at Hiles Anderson, they don't even do that. All of the big events like youth conference or when they have college days, they order in pizza or the dining hall makes those big square pizzas that I hear that you public school kids got at lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> they really try to avoid feeding prospective students dining hall food if they can yeah. If they can help it. Like, so for breakfast, slop. <laughs> so for breakfast during college days, they have this yearly tradition where the administrators come in and cook a pancake breakfast for all the students. The prospective students are like, oh, how cool. The administrators cook the students pancakes. No, it's to make sure you don't eat the breakfast that they normally give you. Here's a question for you. If you'd been a prospective student and they'd fed you dining hall food at Hiles Anderson, do you think you'd gone, you'd have gone to PCC from the start? <laughs> no, because I was like a super fundy. Um, <laughs> you were sold out. I was super sold out. I do think that Pensacola's food, though, I think it's probably pretty good even by regular college standards. I don't, I mean, I don't know because I haven't been to regular college in the meat space only online so pensacola has two dining halls so the four winds is the standard dining hall and it has six lines so one line will be a salad bar one line will be vegetarian and healthy food and then one line will be like chicken nuggets fries pizza whatever and then the other three lines would all serve different meals so there's six meals to choose from i was in heaven after hiles anderson food and then they also have the varsity which is like a smaller dining hall that does chicken fingers pizza subs every day Mm. My favorite food at Pensacola was they had breaded fried mahi-mahi sticks and sweet potato fries. And they served it with this kind of sweet and spicy sauce that you might get at a Thai restaurant. It was so good. Dude, that does sound good, man. What did we have? We had chicken katsudon, which was to die for. But like, still. The, they yeah. had a lot of it was like very, was like, oh, baked chicken and squash and mashed potatoes institutional food but really very decent and i worked in the kitchen for work scholarship one semester and uh pensacola actually <laughs> their kitchen is very clean they do things correctly <laughs> Hey. Believe it or not. Well, cool. They also had a soda machine. So Hiles Anderson got a soda machine around the time that I was there. But Pensacola had the milk dispenser machines that had chocolate milk, which was amazing. And my most favorite thing of all, they had an ice cream machine. Oh, man. I loved that ice cream machine. So Pensacola is really strict about not taking food out of the dining hall. You have to eat what you're going to eat while you're there or get a sack lunch. But you are allowed to get an ice cream cone and leave the dining hall and then just walk around the campus eating ice cream. It was the best. That seems like really specific things to have rules about. They have specific <laughs> rules about, we'll get there. They have specific rules about where you can and can't breathe and blink. So can you imagine me? So it's after Hiles Anderson. So I've come, I've come out of come out of uh, Hiles Anderson for two years. Can you imagine after that how nice it was? to go to a dining hall, get enough to eat, actual good healthy food, get an ice cream cone, go strolling in the nice Florida sun with no oppressive hosiery. Like, yeah, I'm still in a highly repressive religious environment with a million rules to keep, but I get identifiable meat and vegetables and ice cream and sunshine and free leg skin. You keep saying identifiable meat and vegetables, and I'm like, what were, like, I... I want to know what they were. Was it just like mystery meat? We don't know. 
<laughs> we don't. We do not know. We used to. I rem- I used to sit around at the table at lunch at Hiles Anderson with my friends and pick apart pieces of the meat and try to figure out what it was. Oh, this is a claw. This is a hoof. This is no. A... Like trying to figure out what kind of animal it was to begin with. So they Rat. would snout they would serve us okay i remember a meal that i actually did like it was a chicken a la king or something and it was some sort of noodles like linguine noodles maybe massively overcooked linguine noodles with a cream sauce and what they said was chicken now it was chicken in the shape of bacon bits maybe like very very small cubes of quote unquote chicken yeah, really tiny, cubes. really tiny cubes. Like, like literally, like cubes, not like, like an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch. Yeah, cubes. How did it taste? How did the did it taste? It tasted like sort of chickeny, sort of bacony. They could have said it was pancetta, and you would have been like, "Oh man!" Like you know, yeah, they could uh, have carbonara, you know. And there was there was some kind of unidentifiable vegetable in there. It could have been green peppers, maybe. It could have also been jalapenos. It could have also been pieces of green bean. I don't know. <laughs> it's just so flavorless that you can't tell what it is. That's... Yeah, the only the, the so so dinner or or lunch at Hiles Anderson would just be a plop of that, and they wouldn't serve you like sometimes they would serve you vegetables on the side like canned corn or canned green beans. Sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes it was just that. <laughs> you just go through the line plop. Yes, it's just a plop. And then you could go through the salad bar at Hiles Anderson, which was laughable. It was tiny, but you could get like um, some kind of green lettuce type stuff. And what they always had on the salad bar was kidney beans. So you'd get like a, a can amount of red kidney beans and then you'd make yourself a dressing with like the oil and vinegar that they had on the salad bar. And then that would be your like actual, actual nutrition for the day. Who is doing the ordering for this? Like, is this just whatever they can get for the cheapest? Or is it just... This episode is supposed to be about Pensacola. I don't know why we keep going off. <laughs> because it's so, like, I don't, I don't even but yeah, know. But like, yeah, like, like, Hiles Anderson food is, is, there's occasionally stuff that is like, oh, this is not the worst thing I've ever eaten. And the, the dining hall staff really does try. I don't think it's the staff. Um, The lady who's in charge of the dining hall is actually... I've, I've always heard that she's one of the more genuine and more loving people there. But I don't know if she just has budget limitations or what, but the food can be really bad. They probably just, or it probably comes in a drum, like an oil I drum. I don't know. I know we have listeners who worked in the dining hall. So if any of y'all want to <laughs> satisfy our curiosity about all this. Man, what what a big difference that like getting natural vitamins and nutrients from your diet and from the sun can yeah, make. Sunshine is great yeah, for you. So speaking of my newfound freedom, before we go further down in this episode, I think this would be a good place to take a quick break and acknowledge the fact that just because Pensacola was worlds better than Hiles Anderson for me doesn't mean that everybody had that experience. Pensacola after Hiles Anderson was like dying and going to heaven. If you've ever read The Little Princess, It's a old-fashioned book about a girl who is orphaned and has a fall from grace, loses all her money, and she's penniless, and she's abused by the headmistress of the boarding school where she lived when she was rich. And then later on in the book, she gets adopted by rich people, and her life turns around. It's one of those old-timey books where they get super into like describing the food or the lack thereof. In the book, this girl is living in an attic. She's cold. She doesn't have proper food or proper clothes. Everything is awful. And then her benefactor starts taking care of her and like sending her hot tea and sending her warm food and giving her blankets. 
And that is what my life felt like going from Miles Anderson to Pensacola. You're like a little orphan Annie. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar on tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't want this episode to sound like I'm just doing a glowing review of Pensacola because it is still oppressive and there are still some of the same toxic elements that you would find at Hiles Anderson. Well, would you rather be shot and taken to the hospital or would you rather be like stabbed six times and left in the street to die? Right. It's a lesser of two evil situation. If somebody tells me they're going to Hiles Anderson, I'm like, no, 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 no. Do not do that. Do not. You can live in my podcast closet studio. They don't do that. Someone tells me they're going to Pensacola. I'm like, eh, I really wish you wouldn't. I don't think it's a good idea. But, you know, if you're dead set on it, I'll give you some ways to game the system. Pensacola does also have a campus sexual assault problem like many colleges do. That's not something that I experienced while I was there. But just because I didn't experience it doesn't mean it didn't happen or that I can just talk about how great this college was for me without acknowledging that that's the truth. Yeah, the thing about sexual assault on college campuses is that it's going to happen no matter what. The real question is how the administration deals with it. Right. And I think that we mentioned in one of our previous episodes that there was one case in which a young woman was raped and then was submitted to disciplinary action from the school for uh, quote-unquote being a fornicator. Right. I think she got expelled. There are several stories about similar events, and it goes without saying that that is completely not okay and reprehensible. Campus security at Pensacola, I think it's similar to other colleges. Like, they'll, they're students and they're known for being useless and snitches. Like, they'll catch you walking on the grass and get you in trouble, but they can't catch actual crimes going on. And the administration doesn't give the security forces any tools or any resources to actually prevent actual crimes or to help people who have been victims of actual crimes. That's absolutely not normal at any other college. I just want to let you know that. Oh, I thought all campus security at all colleges was just like a joke. They're a joke, but they like they won't and can't get you in trouble for walking on the grass. They'll get you in trouble if like they catch you drinking alcohol from an open container. And then even then you'll probably get like a warning. Oh, yeah. At Pensacola, you do not walk on the grass. There are myriad rules about where you can and cannot walk. Like what? Like I, I think the most famous example of that is the gender segregated elevators and stairwells situation. Ge- I'm, I'm gender segregated elevators and stairwells. Yes. What what do they think is going to happen? I don't know. Maybe they're worried that somebody's going to engage in ocular intercourse without using protection, which would result in eye babies. Oh. <laughs> oh my god! Every time you bring that up, it skews me out. Honestly, I'd rather walk like accidentally walk in on two people f-ing than walking in on them doing the ocular intercourse thing. <laughs> I find that so disgusting. Really, though, it's it's the segregated stairwells and elevators. It's so nobody engages in any like illicit handholding or kissing. Pensacola, just like Hiles Anderson, has the same no-touch rules. Later in this episode, I am going to tell you about some notable exceptions to the no-touch rules and the time that I got in trouble when I didn't even technically break a rule. Is it more or less bull than like the side hug fiasco? Oh, definitely less bull. It's still bullshit, but it's like much less. So Pensacola has a much larger campus than Hiles Anderson. At the time that I was there, 
There was the Crown Center, which is their church building. It's where they have chapel. It seats about 6,000 people, I think. Uh, then there was the, the English building, the Mackenzie building, uh, the music building, the sports center. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to like think through everything. Varsity and Commons, the admin building, which is also like an academic building. Uh, what else? The Oh, and the sports center. Did I say that? The sports center where there's like a bowling alley, a water park, ice skating rink, rock climbing walls, and then the Four Winds, which is the bigger dining hall which is out by the sports center and then i think like three girls dorms and three boys dorm towers you guys had a bowling alley and an ice skating rink and a water park yeah what and a rock climbing wall but i don't think i ever went to the rock climbing wall oh that's bitching <laughs> yeah no I... it seriously is what? i don't think i ever went bowling i know i never went rock climbing I did go skating at least once, and I went to the water park a few times. You do have to schedule going to the water park because there are girls' times and boys' times each day because no mixed swimming. Still, that's but like it's, it's the only fun. water park I've ever been to, and it's the only like water slide I've ever gotten to go on, which was super cool. And they had the wave. What's that thing called where it makes like surfing waves that you can surf on? The wave pool. No, it's not a pool. It's like it's, it's just like a thing that sprays water at you. Oh, what? you can see it on like fail videos. Is what, <laughs> all the time. Like people get oh, on this thing fall. and they fall yeah. over. Yeah, but they have one that's of those nuts. What? Yeah. No way. That's yeah, so cool. Yeah, and most of that was like free for students or like $5 for students. Water park was free. I think skating or bowling might be like $5. Still. What? Yeah. That, that's awesome. But where I was going with that is that all of these buildings mean a lot of elevators and stairwells. And as much as they try, the Pensacola administration can't have eyes everywhere. So men and women have to use separate stairwells and elevators. Everybody knows about this. Like if you look at Reddit, people talking about Pensacola, this is the first thing that people bring up. What people don't know <laughs> is that the elevators and stairwells aren't labeled. Because Pensacola wants to look super normal and chill for campus visitors. Oh, so, so they don't tell if you. You're a vis like if you're a visitor, if you're thinking about bringing your kid there, or if you're a visitor for some other reason, they don't want you to walk up to a stairwell and see like men's stairwell because then you're going to think they're weird. So they don't label it and it's only students who have to abide by it. That's right, because everything about this school, it's all about optics. Right. Right. Oh, so is there a general rule of thumb that like, oh, the one on the left is for the boys, one on the right is for the girls? Or is no, it... it's actually different in every building, which is fun. I, I believe that I think that all elevators other than there's a glass elevator in Crown Center, and I think there's another one in the McKenzie building. And I think glass elevators don't have to be it's not just one i think that can be any gender if i'm remembering right though i think elevators are always gendered but some stairwells can be used by anybody during specific times of the day like class change time so if i'm remembering this right i think some stairwells between like the time the bell rings at 8:50 and the bell rings at 9 you it, the stairwells are not gender segregated but so if you're if you're with your friend and who's of the opposite gender and you have a class at eight and a class at nine and you're in the same classes, if you're in certain buildings, you could walk between your classes together without having to go to separate stairwells. But if you're in the same building in the same hallway at a different time of day, because it's not between class times, you'd have to be like, okay, bye friend. I'm going off to my stairwell, which is on the other side of the building. I'll meet you in the ground floor. 
I'm sure this causes massive confusion though, right? Like You get used how- to it after a while. I feel like it's kind of like how um like before we remember you would call your friend on the phone and you would say, "Hey, do you want to hang out on Thursday? Where do you want to meet? What time?" And then your friend didn't have a cell phone so they couldn't text you and then you would just meet them at that time at that place. At least that's yes. that's how my husband says that you used to hang out with people. Yeah, that's that's what we used to do. And you have some <laughs> friends who you know are always going to be late. right i think the stairwell thing is kind of like that i think you just get used to being like okay bye see you in five minutes but but since the stairs and elevators aren't labeled you have to check the rule book all the time you download the rule book to your phone and then you also have to know your cardinal directions because it will just be like the north stairwell is for men the the south stairwell is for women so the first few weeks are so chaotic because you have to check the rules and then you have to take out like figure out what direction like get a compass and then It can be it can be really really chaotic for the first little bit. Out here navigating with the stars. That's <laughs> no, astrology. That's probably against the PCC rulebook. <laughs> no, this is what this is, taking the wrong staircase is kind of like it's like the mark of an obvious first term freshman. Just like you know, if you wear your lanyard with your ID card and dorm key on it. Yeah. So people will help you, which is both very sweet and objectively hilarious. <laughs> Imagine if you're a new freshman, you're heading toward a stairway or an elevator, and then everybody just starts yelling at you like, no, wrong staircase. No, no, no. Turn around. Come back. <laughs> like, they're just trying to help you. Because <laughs> like it, at Pensacola, nobody really wants to see other people get in trouble. But it's literally young adults who are old enough to drive and vote, and some of them drink yelling at you like you're about to drive off a cliff because you almost crossed the invisible made-up gender line. I can imagine. That's... <laughs> Sorry, I laughed so hard I hiccup. <laughs> it's almost like a superstition, though. It's it's nuts. It's like, oh, yeah. don't walk both sides of the same pole. It'll be bad luck. <laughs> no! <laughs> and it becomes it becomes normal after a while because Pensacola is a lot less strict than Hiles Anderson about getting off campus. But with so much on campus, there's really not a lot of reason to leave. You you also have to like you can be gone for certain times with certain people. Like if you're an 18 year old student, you have to have X people in your group and you have to sign out and you have to be back by 6 p.m. or something. And then if you're if you're over 21, you can leave with only one other person as long as they're the same gender as you and you have to be back by 9 p.m. There's all these like highly complicated like flowchart rules for when you can leave and where you can go. Even though so even though it's a lot easier to get off campus at Pensacola, you don't have to have a pass, which is cool. You, you don't really get off campus a lot. So it becomes pretty normal. And then um, I was at Pensacola <laughs> I was at Pensacola when my dad came to get me for a weekend and I accidentally bumped into his arm. Like I bumped like my elbow against his elbow getting in the car uh, and apologized (laughs) because, you know, if you accidentally touch somebody of a different gender, you have to apologize and be like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to touch you. So I bumped my dad's arm with my arm and apologized. (laughs) Yeah, it becomes a habit. Is he like alarmed? He's like, what? Like, (laughs) what was his reaction? He he, he, (laughs) He gave me one of those signature um, non-reactions. Uh, did, did did my dad do that to you when you met him? He kind of just like raises his eyebrow like, okay. Yeah. 
Okay. One of those <laughs> is what I got. That's nuts. Yeah. Oh. It, <laughs> um, my dad, the only thing funnier, for, for those who don't have the privilege of knowing him, the only thing funnier than my dad reacting to something is when he doesn't react to things. It's like an eyebrow. It's like an extreme eyebrow situation. It's it's a it's a one hundred percent stone faced with just one eyebrow just moves. <laughs> it is it is very funny. You know the emoji that's like <laughs> yes. You, you, you know the one that I'm making with everybody's probably picturing that. It's the one yes. I send to you all the time. <laughs> yes. so i did get to go off campus sometimes at pensacola because they there are beaches not too far away and they have approved beaches for men and women so separately of course so it's beach property that the college doesn't even own and they're still telling you where you are allowed to be based on gender So that's a bit much, but you get to go to the beach. Yeah. The college has staff members that spy on the local beaches to like make sure all the students are where they're supposed to be and not hanging out with their boyfriends or girlfriends, which is creepy. Like that's creepy. But women can wear a one piece swimsuit and shorts at the beach or at the water park, which obviously anybody affiliated with Hyles Anderson would never allow. So is this is this making sense? Like it's still so many rules. But also, this is why Hiles Anderson and the like call Pensacola really liberal. PCC staff members are out here, like, patrolling the beaches. Yeah. Like, Fundy Baywatch. Yeah, it's more what? like, um, it's more like Fundy <laughs> Cops. Like, they're, or fun, <laughs> Fundy Dog the Bounty Hunter, maybe. <laughs> Like, they're everywhere in Pensacola. They send staff undercover. They have people at the beaches, people checking local restaurants. There's always somebody watching. I'm imagining somebody like like a, a fundy man in like a suit and tie on like an ATV <laughs> rolling through. <laughs> but like you're, you're at the beach, right? So you go to the beach. There's going to be boys there and not just like PCC boys. I never it's... saw any boys at the beach. But I was so I was going really? with friends on like a random Monday afternoon in October. So I wasn't seeing anybody at the beach except for really the people I went with. Maybe some senior citizens. So you're not there for spring break? Oh, no, no, no. They don't have spring break. What they have instead is called Bible conference. This is this is some real I, I know I've been very positive about Pensacola and I'm about to to really go the other direction for a minute. <laughs> Pensacola tells you that what you need is not a break. What you need is a week worth of Bible conference. So you don't get a spring break at all. What you get to do is go listen to sermons all morning for a week. And then in the afternoons, we'll have some kind of mandatory fun activity, like a like a soccer game you have to go to or a, a hymn sing or. <laughs> and then they and they also they try to schedule Bible conference around the same time, like the really big spring break parties in Pensacola are. So that you, because you have to scan in and out to prove that you were at Bible conference. They don't say that it's set so that you miss spring break because they're way too classy to say it out loud. Mm. But they just make it where you couldn't possibly go to anything during spring break. But st- I'm sure that you have, like, I mean, if they're monitoring everything, they're trying to figure out, okay, who's showing up in the morning wearing sunglasses? Who's been popping the ibuprofen? Who's actually got Gatorade in their coffee cup? <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> I yeah, I think they they keep an eye on you, but Hiles Anderson or like the crazier, stricter fundy fundy colleges, they will, for lack of a better word, prosecute um, if they even think you did something wrong. So you're a Hiles Anderson student, you do something suspicious. <laughs> showing up in sunglasses and Gatorade in your coffee cup, they're immediately going to dig into everything to try to figure out what you did, when you did it, and can they expel you. At Pensacola, they notice that and they keep an eye on you. But they're not going to go try digging to find out if you potentially did something you weren't supposed to do so that they can punish you as hard as they possibly can. Like, how are they going to find out, though? And how's it like? It, well, at Hiles Anderson, friends... you, don't, you don't leave campus. They can interrogate all your friends and also, you don't leave campus. So, but what if you got out and like didn't? Because there was a place where you could like low key escape. Yeah, but there's like light. They would know if you didn't come out by light, come back by lights out. And also, you have to sign. So at Hiles Anderson, you have to sign in when you come in any door of the college. So sure, you could leave the campus at three p.m. And go do whatever you were going to do. But when you walked back in the door at 9 o'clock p.m. in order to be there in time for lights out, you'd have to sign in. Mm. So they would know that you were gone for that long because they would find you on the security cameras and know like when you left and when you came back. So going back to the, the spring break idea, though, Hiles Anderson will have people get up and scream and verbally ab- abuse you from the pulpit and talk about how if you go to spring break on the beach, you're a wicked fornicator. Pensacola will make a nicely worded statement during announcement time to gently remind you that participating in spring break celebrations is a violation of our honor code. We are sure that nobody will be doing this, but if you do, we will unfortunately have to punish you. And that's how they all talk. (laughs) (laughs) Very Dolores Umbridge. (laughs) There, There definitely is a culture of sneaking alcohol into Pensacola. Because it's, it is easier to get off campus there. So people will sign up for some made-up thing and then drive an hour away to a liquor store that isn't monitored by Pensacola Christian College employees. They have people posted at the liquor store? Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I don't think that they employ 500 employees to sit outside every liquor store, bar, movie theater, concert venue, beach, and restaurant in the whole Pensacola area. But they have enough spies that if you do something you're not supposed to do... The chances of you getting caught are very real. It's it's an, it's to the point that students typically either just follow the rules or if you're going to break the rules, you drive an hour away to break the rules. Now, I have heard I have heard rumors that Pensacola Co- Christian College staff paid off the owners of like local restaurants or local stores to let them know if any college kids came in doing what they weren't spo- doing something they weren't supposed to do. I don't know if that's accurate. That was just the the typical rumor when I was there. This sounds like the People's Democratic Socialist Republic of Pensacola. <laughs> we used to call it Pensacola Concentration Camp, which is probably which it is definitely not an analogy that I would feel right making today, but that is what we said at the time. <laughs> I mean, I think that they've got more in common with like East Germany than Nazi Germany, but still <laughs> Yeah, the whole place is is very orderly and regimented. There are rules for everything. They even have assigned seats for chapel services. Again, I'd never I'd never want to compare being forced to sit next to a stranger to actual genocide, 
but assigned seats in chapel was wasn't something I would say I enjoyed. That seems a bit extra. Yeah, to, like um, assign adults where they have to sit. Yeah, it's a lot, especially when you're me and you're like 21. Mm-hmm. Like that definitely feels too old for this. Chapel at Pensacola is very different than Hiles Anderson. At Hiles Anderson, it's all about the loud preaching, the altar calls, the tears and weeping and recommitting your life to God. Pensacola doesn't do the screaming sermons in general. Chapel instead is a whole new world of boring. They have you in an assigned seat. It rotates monthly. You do not want to end up being assigned to like, I was assigned to the front row once and that sucked because you have to sit like, you have to be very, very good and sit very still. Um, I think the assigned seat thing is supposed to help you get to know your fellow students. Well, that's nice. Yeah, that's not the worst. It's just, it's really extra to be controlling adults like that. I had one chapel buddy who snored through every service for an entire month. So that was fun. Yeah, I couldn't hear the speaker because like at Pensacola, they don't yell. They speak super quietly. So I just... (laughs) I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna snitch on the poor guy. Like you weren't that square. No, like he's he's probably really tired. So I'm not gonna tell on him. He's got but sleep also, apnea or narcolepsy or something. He's yeah. Like uh, I feel for the person. I'm not gonna. You know, that, I'm not gonna go try to get him in trouble. But also, I couldn't hear anything. So that was a pretty boring month. Um, you could also get sat next to somebody who's like super PCC, like super into the rules, and then they would snitch on you if you fell asleep or ate candy or studied for a test or whatever. So that was also hazardous. Well, did PCC do the? Did they have the same emphasis on snitching on people for brownie points like AJC did? Not the same emphasis, no. Um, there were definitely people who were snitches, but it wasn't the same level of it being something that you needed to do to advance yourself. Hiles Anderson had this culture of every man for himself, like you needed to step over and step on other people to get ahead, and you needed to be ahead. Hiles Anderson, what I'm saying, was basically Squid Games. Pensacola was more of a community feel, like people had each other's backs. There was a general knowledge of who might be up to what unapproved activities and a general culture of like, hey, don't do that that way. You're going to get caught. Let me show you how to do this and not get caught. Did you have any way of knowing like who was cool and who wasn't? Like, was there like a shibboleth for, okay, this person will mind their business or this person will rat me out? I think the majority of people were the mind mind their business type. So you didn't necessarily need a confirmation that somebody was cool. There were definitely tells that somebody was going to be a snitch. You could tell by the way they dressed. So most students just barely played by the dress code rules. Did you have the same dress checks that you had at Hiles Anderson? Uh, I don't remember having dress checks at Pensacola. I think it was maybe just more like... A staff member would stand at the top of the girls' elevator or the top of the girls' stairwell and the top of the boys' stairwell and just, like, visually check you as you walked by. And then if they thought they saw a violation, they might pull you over. And, and But they wouldn't necessarily write you to Barrett's for that. They would just be like, hey, can you go change? Or can you fix this? Can you safety pin that? Whatever. So they it, they were more about sending people. Like, there would just be monitors walking the campus all the time. And then if they noticed you out of dress code, they'd correct you back to like how you would know if somebody was cool or not though if a guy had a really short super combed haircut or if a guy wore a tie to class on days that he didn't have to wear a tie that was a pretty good indication that he was very about the pcc rules girls who wore like really long skirts or like tennis shoes with little like bobby socks 
that was also a pretty good tell. So all the people who are suffering by the strictest rules also seem to be the most resentful of the people who aren't as gung-ho as them. Yeah, anybody who went above and beyond the rules, definitely suspect. There was much more of a community feel, though. It was more, we're all in this together because most of the people at Hiles Anderson want to be there. But a lot of the people at PCC don't really want to be there. And I think that's what made the difference. Also, anybody who was in an elected position on student body council was highly suspect. I can't prove it, but I am 99.999% sure that every student body election was rigged. To favor who? Like just people who are sycophants, you know, to the administration? Yeah, people who are going to make the administration look good and help recruit more good little PCC kids. So where did you fit in? Like, obviously, you're traumatized coming from AJC. Even if you didn't know it, like, but, you know, and with your HAC judicial record, I can't imagine you being like a snitch. No, I I was more a fly under the radar person. Like I had a boyfriend in another state. I wasn't trying to date. I wasn't trying to impress anybody. Uh, I really, I had a lot of catching up to do academically. I wasn't making bad grades at Pensacola, but for the first time in my life, I actually had to put in an effort to make good grades. I had to study. For the first time ever. And I was also in work scholarship some of the time that I was there. So I was working um, dining halls. I had side gigs that I was working. So I was really busy and uninvolved in all of that. I definitely knew of people like friends of mine that were doing things that they were not supposed to be doing, but I did not care. <laughs> so I, I, I was unbothered by the rules because I had so much more freedom than I did at Hiles Anderson, but I did not care about turning anybody else in because I was like, oh yeah, okay. I can see why you feel like you need to do that. So what's bad grades for you? Oh like I, yeah, because because I know I keep talking like you talk to me about online school and you're like, oh, I didn't get an A in this class. I'm really trying to get an A. I got an 80. Like, what's a bad grade for you at PCC? I mean, anything lower than a B plus is disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. I was on the dean's list at Pensacola, which is anything above a 3.5 GPA. I was not even close to making president's list, which I think is like a 3.9 GPA. So at HAC, you told it like so, so much of it was just like rote memorization, memorize these Bible verses. Was it the same at PCC or was it different? PCC is still a lot of rote memorization, but it's a lot more facts and less scripture verses. The only time I remember having to memorize scripture for Pensacola was in Bible classes, which is that's fine. I think that's totally appropriate. Now, the the veracity of those facts is in question, and we're going to talk about that next week. But I was also in the in the music program. My degree was secondary education with music and mathematics as teaching fields. So I was writing lesson plans, writing curriculum plans, presenting lessons in class for a grade. And then I also had the zero credit and half credit requirements for music program. I think I had to do 14 hours of piano practice a week. So I would say that the academic requirements at Pensacola are still not up to the level of a real college, quote unquote real college, but it was a hell of a lot harder than Hiles Anderson. Pensacola is, in my opinion, maybe equivalent academically to one of those really, really, really advanced high schools, like a super fancy private college prep school. But they're not making you go out soul winning constantly, so you've got time to work. Right. And, and it, it's still not maybe what you'd call college level, but it is a lot more difficult, especially coming from where I was coming from. Well, now you've done real college. Where would you rank it between? I mean, I've done I've done real college, but but it's not in the same degree field. Hmm. 
So I don't really know if I can compare. Still sociology classes, right? And you'd have like side classes. To yeah, but I never your... took sociology at Pensacola. Okay. Because they don't really believe in that. They wouldn't be that. teaching that, would they? <laughs> and I definitely really... never took sociology at Hiles Anderson. <laughs> Because I had to take a class on the history of Jack Hiles instead. So while we're on the talk, the topic of academics, somebody had asked me specifically to talk about the nursing program. So I think this would be a great time. Let's go ahead and take a break. Let's take up the offering. And then when we come back, let's talk about the nursing program and some of the technical education that Pensacola provides. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, that group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. We are back from our break. We are talking about PCC, Pensacola Christian College, also known as the strictest college in the U.S. Not really, but we are here to talk about the nursing program, various other programs at the school. Serious question, Sadie. Serious answer, Gavi. Why does a hardcore Christian school like PCC have a nursing program? So first, I wanted to point out that PCC is the strictest college in the U.S. for people who have never heard of Hiles Anderson, Heartland, West Coast, Fairhaven, Appalachian Bible College, Crown, Texas Baptist. <laughs> you get the picture. All the real fun. It's it's like being like, yeah, I'm into heavy music. I love Metallica. And you're <laughs> like, oh, hey, look, listen. That is the world's have- best analogy. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. oh i'm in, i'm into heavy music oh okay <laughs> so pensacola's nursing program i think the reason that they have one is because of the role that it fills among christian colleges so, so to answer that question that seems like a simple question but it's really not a simple answer because first you have to answer the question of who pcc is for pcc is for people who want a college that is strict like those other colleges i listed off but they don't want to go into the ministry. 
because as we've talked about, Hiles Anderson and other Bible colleges have very few options for degree paths. It's pretty much pastor, assistant pastor, missionary, Christian school teacher, or wife. What are you supposed to do if you feel like God wants you to be a church member with a secular career? that tithes to the church and raises their kids in a church. But you've been brainwashed. Obviously, you're not going to First Baptist Church of Hammond because that's not what God is calling you to do. Exactly. God is calling you to be more and more and more involved, never less involved. And the most involved that you can be is by being a pastor or an assistant pastor or in the ministry. That's your only career option. Right. So what if you've been raised in that environment or a fairly similar environment, but you are really resistant to the idea of being a pastor? But you have been brainwashed your entire life to think that you will fall into sin and leave the faith if you ever see a girl in jeans on a college campus or if someone <laughs> within a mile of you consumes alcohol. Girl in jeans, man, nobody introduced them to yoga pants. I don't think uh, so. The, the like evangelical fundies like the Girl Defined fundies know about yoga pants. I don't think the regular fundies do. They don't? No, I'm, I'm joking. Man. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm sure they do. They'd be going around town, they'd be like, what are those? <laughs> I can see your whole butt hanging out. <laughs> That's one group of people that PCC is for. So I guess PCC and, and HAC, then they're, they're going to serve a different purpose. So HAC is there to be a money funnel for First Baptist Church of Hammond and also a source of free labor and bus workers. The PCC is like low-key trying to be an actual school. Right. PCC attracts another key demographic, though, that isn't just people who don't want to go in the ministry. What's that? PCC attracts families from other countries, especially very traditional and or patriarchal countries, who want their children to go to school in the United States, but they don't trust their kid at a state college. They want their kid to live under strict rules like they did at home, but they really need their kid to have a United States college degree. Some of these people are also Christians. Many aren't. The rules and the presumed safety of PCC is what attracts them. So you can send your kid around the world to get their engineering degree or nursing degree from an American college, but you don't have to worry about them partying or drinking. And I think that's why PCC has a nursing program and also pre-med, because a lot of parents from those cultures see those as very attractive careers for their child to go into. So what countries do, are they getting students from? When I was at PCC, there was a big brag about we have students from X number of countries, and I feel like it could have been like 50 to 80 different countries. Oh, wow. I knew a lot of students from Canada, although those are mostly the first kind. Not quite fundy enough for Hiles Anderson, but still pretty fundy kind of kids. As far as the second kind, I knew a lot of students from India. So some people who were actually from there, like they flew around the world from India to come to college every semester. And then also a lot of first generation Indian Americans. Also a lot of Chinese students. Again, both people who actually grew up there and came from China to Florida for school. And also a lot of people whose parents grew up in China, but then they moved to America in the last like 10 to 20 years. That's so funny, though, because China and those aren't particularly Christian countries. That's true. I, I right. went to school at Pensacola with people who were not Christian. Like there were there were Buddhist kids there. I know for sure. I believe there was a Muslim student when I was there, um, and there were Hindu students as well. How do Muslims? How does that play? Because they're not. They, 
the fundies aren't a big fan of the Muslims, are they? Yeah, but these are the soft, sweet, gentle fundies. These are the fundies who probably have some really toxic Islamophobic beliefs, but they're not going to say them from the pulpit because they wouldn't want to offend. Oh, so they're like PC. So PCC is uh, the PCC. Sort of. I mean, PC for fundies. (laughs) You know, like... Like, yes, they're they're extremely homophobic and Islamophobic and um, just generally not into anybody who's not Christian. But they're not going to say that stuff out loud. They're the only fundies who know how not to say the quiet part out loud. Interesting. OK. That's... And, and I thought and also like some of these students are Christians, especially the Indian students. Um, I found out through and having an Indian roommate that India has more of a Christian population than you would think, especially southern India. My roommate's parents, if I'm remembering this correctly, they grew up Christian in India and then they moved to the United States in like the 90s ish. Is that to do with the British and like the colonization or? I'm not sure. Unsurprisingly, history classes at PCC were not great about giving any accurate information about colonization ever. There was a lot of misinformation there. That's so funny because like when when you go to secular college, you take history. That's all you learn about. I know. Colonialism is evil. (laughs) And I've had to do like all of that education by myself, like on Facebook, which has kind of been um, not to center myself, but that is a little bit traumatizing. I think everything I know about Christopher Columbus, I learned about through Facebook memes. And then was like, oh, my God, that can't possibly be true. Christopher Columbus was a man of God who was on a mission from God. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, no. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is bad. And then I'm talking to people like you and I'm like, did you know this about Christopher Columbus? And you're like, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Learned that in grade school. (laughs) Yeah, Uh. I had like no idea. And I would see something on the Internet and I would be like, oh, that can't be true. (laughs) But does that answer your questions about international students and the reason why PCC needs to have a big nursing program? Oh, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And and there, um, some of those programs were accredited. I'm going to talk about the college's accreditation later, but the nursing program was accredited before the college as a whole was. Oh, okay. No, that that makes more sense because you wouldn't want to go to a nursing program that wasn't accredited. Right. Yeah. So it, the it's the kind of thing like accredited. the college was not always accredited. That actually happened while it was there. Hmm. But the nursing program and I think some of the other specific programs like that were accredited. Like I wouldn't feel I wouldn't feel any different being treated by a doctor who, or a nurse who did pre-med or who did their nursing school at Pensacola. I would feel a little weird if the doctor got their full degree from Pensacola, but they don't offer that. So it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, they wouldn't, would they? That's like a huge program that you have to have. Right. So, but they do have pre-med and I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't not trust a doctor because they got their pre-med there. That wouldn't really bother me. So what the other thing that someone had asked me to talk about with the nursing program is whether female nursing students are allowed to wear scrubs. And that's an interesting question. And I do want to answer that because PCC campus. So when I was there, so 2013 to 2014, it was not nearly as strict on skirts only as Hiles Anderson, but because it was less strict, the rules were more complicated. So the rules for non-skirt garments on campus when I was there, female students could wear loose basketball shorts when doing any kind of sports activity, including college-sponsored events like intramural games. They could wear them for the activity and directly on the way to and from that activity, but no other time. So if you're a female student, you were playing in an intramural soccer game, or you were going to go to the sports center with your friends to play basketball, or you were 
like when I did when I did PE, I did um I got to choose what I did for PE and I took sailing and that was freaking awesome. What? That's yeah, cool. I, I learned to sail to sail a dual hull 30 foot mast Hobie catamaran, 20 or 30 foot. I can't remember which one. What? But that was that was one of the literal coolest things I've ever done in my life. That's wow. Yeah. So when I did that, I you you the PE uniform was basketball shorts. The thing is that you can wear basketball shorts for the activity and you can leave your dorm wearing those shorts, do your activity and then return to your dorm. But you can't wear basketball shorts to the cafeteria to eat before or after the game or in any common area or in any educational building. So what you would have to do is like go to your dorm, change into shorts, go to your activity, go back to your dorm, change into a skirt and then go eat. So it's extremely complicated. That's extremely inconvenient. It is, but I feel like I went into detail on this because I feel like it sums up so much about PCC. They have this pretty face of like, see, we let women do sports, which is a lot. Like, that's good. That's great. That's a lot less strict than HAC. And they let women wear appropriate clothing for doing sports, which in the fundy world, that's huge. But they still have to control women's clothing. And it's not about modesty. Because if shorts were immodest, they wouldn't let people wear them at all. It's not about a biblical conviction against wearing shorts. It's about the image of the college. So for the sake of the image of the college, they still have to control women's clothing. And you have to go back to your dorm to change. And you can't wear your ungodly basketball shorts in the cafeteria to get your chicken nuggets after your game. But that cafeteria has an ice cream machine. See how cool we are? PCC sounds like it's run by a bunch of lily-livered liberals with lace on their underwear. That's what it sounds like to me, is what you're telling me. Well, I mean, in, in the HAC world, it is. And if they were a real fundies, they wouldn't let women do pants or sports or or any of this stuff. Or, or take STEM field degrees. Or do anything except for memorize Bible verses all day and... Uh, take classes on crockpot cooking. Yeah. So you can see why. Hiles Anderson really looks down their nose at them. Oh yeah. So back to the back to the original question of can nursing students wear scrubs? I am 99% sure that I'm remembering this correctly. Honestly, I did not feel like hunting up the PCC rule book because I didn't have a physical copy like I did at Hiles Anderson. It was all on the student website. So to get it, I'd have to go find a PDF that somebody's uploaded and I just didn't feel like it. So when I was there, from what I remember, female nursing students were allowed to wear scrubs on their rotations when they did clinicals, but they couldn't wear scrub pants out and about on campus. What I can't remember is whether they were supposed to change at the hospital or if it was the same rule as shorts, where they could change in their dorms, go straight to clinicals, come back and change immediately. But I am very sure that they were able to wear scrubs at clinicals. And that's like, that's the whole thing about PCC. Like, that's the entire thing. There's so much. It's so extra. Like, the, the rule against women wearing pants has nothing to do with a moral conviction against it, because if it did, they wouldn't let them do it at all. Like, at Hiles Anderson, it's a moral conviction. At PCC, it's not. It's just to make the families happy that send fundy students there and to preserve the image of their college. But they will control, especially female students, to a high degree to preserve this image that they need to preserve. Because we're fundies and that's what we do. We control the women. Because they have to be fundy to stay in business, but also they have to be cool to stay in business because that's the market niche that they fill. It's that tightrope, man. It's it's, it's So really whatever it is, yeah. So whatever it is that they have to make their students do to uphold that image and keep them in business, they do not care how inconvenient it is, especially for female students, but for everybody. But then again, going there is a hell of a lot more fun than going to HAC. Honestly, 
If I had to choose between two weeks at HAC and a full semester at Pensacola, I would take Pensacola. <laughs> like, it's not like, yeah, it, like PCC is hell for some people who get who have a very bad experience through no fault of their own. But HAC is hell for just about everybody. So how would you have felt about PCC, do you think, if you hadn't gone to HAC first, if you hadn't had anything to compare it to? Me coming out of Fundy World or if I had been raised like regular Christian? Oh, no. Like coming out of fun. Say you say your parents had like because I mean, you told me when you were thinking about going to college, your parents are like, are you sure you want to go to HAC? If they had talked yeah. me into PCC instead at that point. What happens? Pensacola would still have been a lot more freedom than I had growing up. Really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, the Because I grew up with Hiles Anderson specifically clothing restrictions that was just what always got to me as a kid and it it wasn't necessarily just me being a rebel it was because my body does not fit well with Hiles Anderson style clothing rules just like i have i have broad shoulders wearing longer sleeves irritates me because i can't move my arms everything like clothing for me is very much about like i want a range of motion i want to be able to climb a tree like i still like jump over the baby gate just for fun instead of stepping over i'm like i'm I'm an active person i like be able to move around the longer skirts and the longer sleeves it it doesn't suit who i am and so it was yeah it was about wanting to look cool and modern and not look like a fundy but there was there was a lot of deeper issues for me and Pensacola would have still been like I was never I never owned a pair of basketball shorts growing up. So you would have had to get a pair if you wanted to play sports or. or yeah. Huh. So Pensacola was still a lot more freedom than I ever had at home. Interesting. Wow. Huh. Like even being able to. So by the time I got to Pensacola, I was over 20. I was almost 21. I was 20. So I was I think I think you had to turn 21 to sign off campus by yourself. And there were like approved locations that you could go to in Pensacola. So by the time I turned 21, that, yeah, that's correct. It was when you, so um, by the time I turned 21, I could sign off campus and walk down to a little coffee shop called the Drowsy Poet, which every Pensacola Christian college student goes to. It's an amazing little coffee shop in Pensacola. And it's like maybe half a mile, a quarter mile from the college. So I could sign off by myself, walk down there with my computer, buy a cup of coffee and use the unfiltered internet. And I used to do that to teach English online, like as a side job. Wow. But that's when I was 18, like growing up in the IFB, the first time I was ever any place by myself was um, when my grandfather died really early in my first semester at Hiles Anderson. And I had to fly to Alabama to go to the funeral. The first time I was ever alone by myself ever was when my dorm soup dropped me off at the airport at Midway Airport in Chicago. That's so interesting for me to think because like I know you as a person and I know that you're the kind of person that like needs time to recharge. like you know you go you hang out with people and then you're like okay now I need to go home I need to recharge and not be around anybody right you like for your whole life you've never like not been alone well I had like I had like a room I could go in my room and read a book sure or I could go someplace on church property or someplace in the empty church building and sit by myself but I'd never had personal freedom. I'd never been to Walmart by myself. Never, like, even gone to a store? Never even, like, gone grocery shopping? No, or... I'd, nev- I'd never gone grocery shopping. <laughs> like, I had literally never been a public place by myself. So even mm. having that freedom at Pensacola would have still been way beyond what I ever had. It wasn't, And it wasn't that my parents, like, restricted me. It wasn't, like, that they said you can't go to Walmart. It was just that I didn't 
have a driver's license as a teenager and I didn't have any money. You're not going to take the bus by yourself, are you? Right. Especially when you have no idea how a bus works. Like I used to think, sorry, this is going to, this is going to fill the Sadie triggers herself bingo square for Dinah. But I used to think about running away all the time as a teenager. Like I really wanted to, but I didn't know how anything worked. I didn't know how buses worked. Like I I thought I would want to go get a Greyhound bus ticket, but I did not know how to get on a a city bus to get to the Greyhound station. And I did not know how to purchase a bus ticket. And that's not something that my parents kept from me on purpose. It's not like they were plotting like, oh, we got to make sure our kids don't know how to get a bus ticket so they can never get out. It was just something that you don't do as a fundy. Yeah. Why would you have that knowledge if you'd never done it before? Right. Like, why would you need that knowledge? (laughs) Your church and your school and your home are on the same property. You don't need to go anywhere. You don't need to drive. You don't need to go to the store for yourself. Everything you need to... Wow. That's... So all that to say that Pensacola would have still been way more permissive than anything I had ever experienced. I know. I'm just, I'm, th- this warps my brain just a little, because I got, you know, I got my driver's license when I was 17. And as soon as I got it, and you know, you weren't supposed to be doing this because, you know, you're, you're supposed to wait six months before you get your friends in the car. Like I got my driver, like, and as soon as I got it, I'm just like, hey, friends, let's go uh, get in the, get in the car and drive around and hang out. To, like immediately, that's what you want to do, you know, and you're like, I have freedom now, but like, you know, or like as soon yeah, as. Yeah, but you'd been to like, you would go to like the mall with your friends I, as a teenager. I wasn't really a mall kid, but like. But I, like people did, you know, or, or like an arcade or a movie. But like your mom was never like, hey, Sadie, we need eggs uh, for dinner tonight or for for I'm baking something. We need to get a carton of eggs. We don't have any. Here's uh, five dollars. Will you run down to the store and grab a a carton of eggs? No, because uh, I didn't. I could. I didn't drive. And also I grew up literally 10 feet away from the interstate in a technically a residential area, but in a part of the country that is a food desert. I mean, a neighborhood that's a food desert. So the nearest grocery store was probably a mile away, maybe more. Right. Because I I mean, I had one like three blocks from me. Right. So to go to if I was going to walk to the grocery store, I would have to walk alongside a main road, like right off the like a road that's 40 miles an hour. There's no sidewalk. And that's really sketchy. Yeah. And, and Even... like the town that I grew up in is not necessarily a place that you want a teenage girl who has no street smarts walking by herself. Like my friends got robbed uh, around the corner from where we all grew up on the same church property. Uh, they got robbed selling candy bars like two like 11 year old girls got robbed at gunpoint. Oh, that's horrible. Selling candy bars so, for the school. I mean, I also I, I saw gunfights go down when I was out soul winning. Right. Because you're in East St. Louis. Or, I mean, I was in Cahokia. Yeah, so East St. Louis is kind of shaped like an L, and Cahokia is like a rectangle in the crook of the L. And I like—I don't want to play into stereotypes about you know like bad neighborhoods, um, because we all know that that's not—that's very reductive and that's not a helpful stereotype. But I did—I I grew up in a place where you do not want to walk down the street by yourself as a fifteen-year-old girl without street smarts. Like if you don't know the functioning of that neighborhood. <laughs> You you don't want to walk there by yourself, but like, but I I was so naive. I so like walking to the store wasn't really. I would have had to walk like ha- a half a mile to a mile along a forty mile an hour road with no sidewalks and like past like car dealerships and auto stores like that kind of area. Oh, like the, the like the used car lots where it's like you mm-hmm. know 
no credit, no problem, you know. Yeah. Right. Well. And I have to go through all of that and then like get to the store. So yeah. So anyway, I, <laughs> that was a really big rabbit trail. But that's like what that's what my life was like as a teenager. No, but that was important information. That's Yeah. And and then like the first time <laughs> Like I said, the first time I was ever anywhere by myself, my grandfather died. My dorm soup dropped me off at Midway Airport to catch a plane. So I had to catch a plane to Atlanta. And then I had to, have you, have you, have you ever been in the Atlanta airport? Yes. So the Atlanta airport was the second place that I was ever on my own. Jesus. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, it was, that's a massive. I'd never been on a train. I'd never been on a bus. I didn't know how this worked. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I got dropped, got dropped off at Midway, missed my first flight because I was checked in. I was checked in and I got it. I got to the gate like five minutes before boarding was over and the plane had already pulled out, which I think was an awful move on the part of Delta. So I, so I made it to Atlanta. I had like, like 45 minutes in Atlanta to catch my connecting flight. So I was like running through Atlanta airport never been in a public place like that before had no idea like how to read the signs or like so i just guessed you know how to like how to find a gate number it was my second time doing it running through the atlanta airport had you ever flown before no i'd never flown before. never flown so okay i had been in <clears throat> i had been in airports pre 9-11 when you could walk people all the way to the gate my parents had gone on some flights before that point. So I had been in airports as a very little kid, like walking them to their gate, but I'd never flown. Oh. So I, I got on my plane. And of course, Jack Hiles told, uh, always told a story, but you have to witness to whoever's sitting next to you on the plane. Like that was, that's a funding requirement. If you're on a plane, you've got to try to convert your seatmate. So on the second flight uh, from Atlanta to Birmingham, I was sitting next to this guy, really nice guy. He was actually on his way to a marketing. He was a marketing guy and he was on his way to a marketing meeting at University of Alabama, which I thought was super cool. So I asked him to say hi to Nick Saban for me. And uh, so it was a tiny little like like puddle jumper, like two seats on one side of the plane and one seat on the other side from Atlanta to Birmingham. And we hit some really rough turbulence. So instead of witnessing to the guy, I asked him if it, if I could hold his hand, and he said yes. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Well, you probably should have witnessed to him then if you thought you were going to die. I tried. He politely let me know he wasn't interested. <laughs> but yes, that is that is the story of 18-year-old Sadie's first adventure into the big bad world. I mean, look, if the plane, if you, if you try to witness to the guy and he's like not interested, and then the plane starts shaking and you could be like, are you sure? <laughs> I was so scared myself. I don't think I was in a in a place to really try to witness. Um, Why were you scared? You didn't think that you would go to heaven? No, I thought I was going to heaven. I just didn't want to make it that day. I had just gotten to Hiles Anderson. I was not allowed to date until I got to college. I had just gotten to college like two weeks before. So now I was finally allowed to date and I didn't want to die before that. Um, so yeah, so that's the story of how Jack Scott's dating with a purpose is getting in the way of your eternal salvation. <laughs> so <laughs> you read so that, that book, you were too excited. <laughs> so that's that's my story. Um, weren't ready to meet Jesus quite yet. And also, if you think back to the story that I told you about them, uh, the the bus people dropping me off at the Chicago Zoo with like five to seven children who were not my own, and like you better get back here on time or we're leaving you. <laughs> That is the level of naivety that that so that story happened like two weeks after the plane story.
So that is the level of naivety of the person that they left children with. Oh. That was a rabbit trail, but I think that was a very worthy rabbit trail. Dude, that might make the, the cut for the regular episode. I'm not going to lie. So so back to talking about Pensacola. We're talking about Pensacola. We're talking about the nursing program. We're talking about the nursing program. This is actually kind of wild. The, there are rules around anatomy-related textbooks, and there is a special secret section in the library. <laughs> it's like Harry Potter. Exactly like, like the that, The restricted yeah. in Harry Potter at Hogwarts. 100% oh, wow. that, yes. So nursing students were not supposed to show anybody their textbooks that had to do with anatomy in any way. So like if your roommate was a nursing student and they were trying to study for their test about the lobes of the brain or the cardiovascular system, they were not supposed to let you see their textbook. That love is supposed to be on that level of lockdown. I'm just imagining like you open a textbook, you see an anatomy diagram of a penis with the cutaway, you know, showing all the glands, like yeah. the the seminal vesicles, and you're <laughs> thinking, "Oh, baby, this textbook is making me flush." <laughs> that is apparently exactly what the administration was worried about. Oh no! But I don't think, like, I feel like they had textbooks for first year nursing students that. We're focused more. So what I remember my nursing, my nursing student roommates learning was like um, types of cells and like nutrients. So nursing school, apparently they start really small and then they work up. So you learn about like cells and how cells function and nutrients and that kind of thing. Um, a lot of like Latin words and stuff stands to reason. So I don't, I don't know if, if, um, any penis diagrams were in the first years, like anatomy books, or if they had to wait like three years, but for anything like specifically reproduction related, the nursing students didn't get a textbook. They had to go up the separate male and female gendered stairwells to the library and get permission from a librarian to access the special secret section of the library that was literally behind like little velvet robes so that they could learn about all that like a vip section yes which made me jealous not because i was like that invested in learning about anatomy but just because like i no, or don't the piv section oh <laughs> i don't like having information withheld from me so this frustrated me you know what this makes me think? This is, do you remember Steven Anderson? How he just like lost his mind because his wife went to the meeting for engaged ladies. They showed an anatomical drawing of the female reproductive system to women. And then he describes this drawing as a pornographic. I, I think they actually showed a picture of a vagina in that class. Like he was extremely upset about the whole thing either way, but I think that was what sent him into the the God honoring rage. Um, how dare these pure Christian young ladies have any idea what their body visibly looks like? They never looked in the mirror. Okay, so the whole like your body is not your own, so don't look at it or touch it. That uh, I already did a rabbit trail. That conversation is going to have to wait for another day. I'm just going to answer your question by saying no. <laughs> That's, ah, uh, man, that's nice. I'm sorry. We have to move on to yes. talk. Yeah. To talk about a different PCC program. What's next? You were uh, one that you were involved in. We have here the music program. 
I hesitate to say this because I feel like I might immediately get proven wrong, but I kind of want to say that the PCC music program is actually pretty good. My proof for this would begin with the fact that while I was there, I was taking private piano lessons. So for the music program, you had to pick a focus, either uh, instrument or voice or conducting. So piano was my focus instrument. So my first year at university, I was also a music major. I was a vocal performance major. So maybe we can compare and contrast. That sounds great. So one of my main reasons for thinking the music program is actually pretty good is that my piano teacher, I think in the, I think like the second semester that I was there, she let me know that she would be missing a week of lessons because she was going to be out of town. Cool. Fine. Whatever. So I got back the next week and we had our lesson, didn't say anything unusual to me. And then like a week after that, an article came out in the school newsletter about how my piano teacher had debuted at Carnegie Hall the week before as a piano soloist. That's incredible. That's where she was when she was out of town for a week and she didn't even feel the need to bring it up to me. It's pretty par for the course for the adjunct or, you know, tenured faculty um, at a reputable music school to be performing at various places. Right. Put a check in the W column for PCC. But like that's a that's a normal thing for a real professor at a real reputable college to do. Yes. And our music professors and, and most of so most of our professors had PhDs in their field from accredited state colleges, or at least from like a really reputable Christian college like Bob Jones or Liberty. The yeah. um, the education professors or the seminary professors might have doctorates from Pensacola, but our but for the most part, professors generally had real degrees, or at least almost 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 real degrees. It was not like Hiles Anderson, where every professor is a doctorate, like from Hiles Anderson. <laughs> you know the the meme of Obama giving himself the medal. Yes. So I'm sure that you guys had solid choral ensembles, instrumental ensembles. Uh, we also had uh, dramatic vocal arts, which was basically you take a class and you get to be in an opera at the end of the semester. Yeah. So I knew people who were in that sort of thing. As a pianist, there's generally only one piano per orchestra. So you kind of have to be the best of the best to have a shot. How many How many for undergrad is, is PCC? 6,000. Oh, wow. That's pretty big. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, PCC in a, like a normal year is three times Hiles Anderson at its absolute peak. Wow. I don't, I don't have any way of, of guesstimating how many people were in the music program, but it's a substantial music program, and I was, I was never top tier on playing piano. I like, I'm pretty good, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't that level. You weren't one of the people with the magic like superstar sparkle around them. That... <laughs> no. No, I was definitely not that person. Uh, PCC does generally put on an opera a year, which we should probably talk about DP before we go any further into this. Would you say that DP was one of your favorite pastimes while you were in college? Uh, No, they made everybody go like four times a year. So some of them were pretty fun, but some of them just kind of felt like filler. Yes, DP can be definitely very filling, um, but it's definitely not for everybody. (laughs) Uh, Okay, have we done enough? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain. In in the <laughs> lingo, DP is dramatic production, and I did not learn that those letters are able to stand for anything else for a pretty long time. That's shocking. 
<laughs> Dramatic productions are pretty similar to the Valentine's Banquet for Hiles Anderson students, but with there is some key differences. So PCC is very much about culture, being well-rounded. So they want their students to be exposed to cultural events, and they want to make that mandatory. Would you say that Valentine's Day was a common time to do DP? Yes, actually, they did have one around Valentine's Day every year. So they generally do four times a year, so twice in fall semester and twice in spring semester. You're still laughing. Yes, yep. of course it's, I am. So it's a it's a dating event. So it's very much the same flavor as Hiles Anderson, where you pick a dress and you get it pre-approved by your, your RA or your dorm super, whoever, um, who will give you a little piece of paper that says that your dress was approved as being modest. But there's a lot of dress trading, which is always fun. Like there, there are dresses that kind of just go around the college. It's a big dating event. So people will ask you to go to it. I always got to go with friends because I didn't, I was dating somebody who wasn't at Pensacola. So that was, that was really fun. Um, what they usually do is they'll have two of these events each year be outside entertainment. So when I was there, I saw a Canadian brass show, which was fine. They had a guy come through who did like a one man play about Schumann. He would like play a Schumann song and then he would in character as Schumann tell you the story behind it. I thought that was really good. I really liked it. I had him sign my program and everything. Uh, string ensembles, other classical music type events are a common thing that they have. Did Okay, so did HAC, when you were there, did it have any semblance of a music program or was music just like extracurriculars? No, Hiles Anderson had a music program. Right, because they had all the tour groups. Duh. Yeah, I had the same major at both schools. Hiles Anderson's was just completely focused around church music, like tour groups, church choir, quartets, church orchestra, that kind of thing. PCC's was focused on classical and actually learning theory, like real theory. I didn't learn about... So, so at Pensacola, I learned about parallel fifths and the types of minor scales for the first time and like compositional theory, part writing theory. I learned for the first time in my freshman year at Pensacola. That is a stunning indictment of the music program at Hiles Anderson College. Yeah, I, I feel like Hiles Anderson might have taught that like, like that's the most advanced that they get. I think they taught that to like seniors in the music program, but they, they don't they definitely don't start you out as freshmen with that. Hiles Anderson music program will turn out musicians who can play Hiles Anderson music very well and write like come to Jesus songs, but also it will turn out musicians who maybe don't know the difference between a harmonic and a melodic minor and the entire baseline of their heart-rending little children are falling into a burning hell come to Jesus songs is all freaking parallel fifths and parallel octaves. Which is why they don't sound good. Because, I, I mean, I had to listen to them. I wasn't really listening for that. But you always have difficulty tuning parallel fifths. You can't tune parallel fifths. You can't tune parallel octaves in choral setting. At least it's it's difficult to do. I had you, no yeah. clue about how to actually write parts for choral music until I went to Pensacola. So at HAC, they're probably still teaching that tritones are the devil's interval and you can't use them or he'll take over your soul. Well, the Bible says that God is a God of harmony and that discord is not of God. Hey, tritones are a harmony, man. They're just a, a dissonant one. False. Tritones are prevalent in uh, rock and or roll. <laughs> By the way, if you're not a music person and you want to know what a tritone sounds like, you can go and listen to the beginning of the song YYZ by Rush, a uh, bingo card, or you can listen to the beginning of the Simpsons theme song where it's like the Simpsons, that, that's a tritone interval. 
And bingo was his name. Oh. So many bingos. So I wouldn't say that Pensacola's music program is top tier, but I think it's absolutely adequate. My brother was in college for music at a fully accredited Christian college at the same time that I was at PCC. And we would go home on weekends or holidays and compare notes. And I felt like we were getting a roughly equivalent music education. So two of the dramatic productions will be outside entertainment, like I said. The other two each year were generally put on by the college. So most often they would have one would be an opera and one would be a stage play. They do the Mikado for the opera really, really, really often. Every like four years they do Mikado. Unfortunately, I missed it because I was there in like an off year. Also, Pirates of Penzance, they really, really like Gilbert and Sullivan a lot. The tryouts for all of this, and, and then they'll do like a stage play, like like a 1900s, like the importance of being earnest, like that kind of stage play. Oh, Like yeah. it'll be done exceptionally well, like technically, like the technical skills, like they might do Our Town if they're feeling really spicy. So like the technical skills are amazing. They really drill it into the actors to like be technically proficient stage actors, but it's just not the most the most interesting subject material. The tryouts for dramatic productions are intense. It's like a campus wide event. People wait in line for hours to try out. I did try out for one of these, and I can't remember what I what exactly I tried out for. I knew it wasn't going anywhere. I just wanted to push myself and do the tryout because I thought it would be like a come out of my shell experience to do the tryout. I wasn't in the theater department in general, though. I would say the theater department was not as good as the music department, but not bad, bad. Hmm. I think the, the PCC theater department is probably really hampered by the fact that they can't do any like modern musicals. They can't do plays with cuss words and all their kissing is fake. I, I think it's probably pretty hard to teach students to do theater if your source material is like arsenic and old lace and the importance of being earnest. Yeah, How do you do theater in a serious way if you're not allowed to cover any subject matter that might be objectionable? Well, you don't. The whole thing is highly just sanitized. You can teach blocking and vocal projection and technical theater skills. And you can turn out students who are really good at those technical skills, but there's no substance to the actual performance that you're putting on. Yeah. And how do you, like, if you're trying to get the actor to really emotionally connect with the role, you know, like you, you have to introduce them to a lot of different kinds of roles, right? Right. You would think. I mean, even if you're just going to be like a character actor and you do, do kind of the same sort of thing every time, or if you're a typecast, you have to figure out what your typecast is. So you can't do that if you're... Well, do you want to talk about PCC? like a PCC scandal? Yes. Let's talk okay. about a PCC scandal. Is it, is it to do with theater? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. This is, a, this is a good transition. So at PCC, unless people who are married to each other are playing the leads, if there's a kiss in the script, they have to do fake kissing. So I had a friend who was in the theater department and he had to do a stage kiss for something or other. So he asked me to help him practice his stage kissing, which probably should have been a sign, but I read absolutely nothing <laughs> into this. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. And we never kissed. Like we never actually kissed at all. He's just like, "Hey, you there? I th I do, do you want to practice stage kissing with me?" And I was like, "Oh, hi Dilly Ho, Neverino. Sure, I can help you out with that. You're definitely not trying to imply anything at all. You just need somebody to help you with this school project." 
Oh my god. 1000% clueless. I've been practicing with my hand, but it's just not the same. (laughs) Sadie, if I ever ask anybody for help in a school project in college, not not kissing related school project, if I ever asked anybody for help with a school project, it was 100% because I was trying to get some alone time together so that I could make a move. Like that's We weren't even like, alone because that was against the PCC rules. So oh, so, so my roommate to... was like hanging out with us in the music building doing this stage kissing practice. Oh my god. I did not even question why he wanted to practice with me and not his scene partner for the actual assignment. (laughs) I was like, oh, these skills must just transfer. It's fine. He must have felt like a genius and a stud. (laughs) Well, well, I did get caught. If I had gotten caught doing that, I probably would have been in some pretty serious trouble with the administration, but I didn't get caught doing that one. It is the most scandalous thing I think I did at PCC. So I take it from you that you weren't much of a rule breaker. I didn't really feel the need to break the rules very much. It was so easy after Hiles Anderson that I barely noticed that there were rules. Um, I did like I snuck candy into church. Uh, I had a pair of secret headphones that I wasn't allowed to have. We got a real badass over here. I'm trying to think if I did anything else that broke the rules. I helped my roommates who were nursing students study, which was technically not allowed. Scandalous. Trying to think. You ever get in trouble for anything? I did get sent to the discipline committee once, but it was 100% BS. Really? Yeah. What, what'd you do? Okay. What'd they so, say you did? <laughs> so I was walking <laughs> from chapel to lunch or from class to lunch with my friend, guy friend, and it was raining because it's Pensacola. It rains all the time. So my friend had an umbrella and we had both put our computer bags where they would be under the umbrella. So his computer bag was on his right side and then mine was on my left side. So the computer bags are touching like under the umbrella. Does that, does this make sense? Yeah. So okay, like and then we apart. could, and then we could both lean in and get our heads under the umbrella, but our heads are like six inches apart and our bodies are at least a foot apart. Cause we're like hunched over our computer bags. So at least like both the computers and both of our heads would stay dry. If nothing else. There was this miserable old woman who worked for the college, and I can't remember her name, but she was like the old school campus enforcer. She stepped out in front of us with the most sour look I have ever seen on anyone's face. And that's coming from me. I was a Baptist for 20 years, and this is the worst look I've ever seen on anyone's face. She steps out in front of us like the freaking paparazzi and (laughs) takes a picture with her cell phone and then just like walks away. And I could tell that she took it from an angle where it looked like we were cuddled up under this umbrella. There were two computer bags, like like full computer bags of textbooks and between us. There was literally no way we could have been touching if we wanted to. But she took a picture at an angle where it looked like we were touching, so we both got green slips. What's a green slip? Oh, if you get a green slip in your mailbox, you have to go up to a certain hallway at the time on the slip and you have to wait in line to see the discipline committee. And you don't know what you're being called in for until you get there. So unless you know what you did, it's a tactic to try to get you to confess more stuff. It's like when the cops pull you over and they say, do you know why I'm pulling you over today? Yeah, not falling for that one. Yeah, they're hoping that you'll pull a Josh Duggar and say, what is this about? Was someone touching arms with a male student under an umbrella? (laughs) (laughs) so obviously that's super manipulative it's also scary to get a green slip if you don't know what you did because then it's either which thing did they catch me on 
or what rule did I accidentally break when I was not trying to break any rules? And it can be really stressful until your scheduled time rolls around to go to discipline committee. It's like, you you know, the good place, you know, when they asked Chidi, do you know why you're in the bad place? He's like, it's because I, I drank almond because milk, I drank even, almond though, milk. Yeah, even though I know it's bad for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, so then it's kind of up to like luck of the draw. What staff member did you happen to get assigned to for this like student court thing? In the umbrella incident, the guy who was holding the umbrella had an earlier DC appointment than I did. So he went in and then he texted me like, okay, it's about the umbrella. It's going to be fine. He went in, he told his side of the story. I went in at my assigned time and I told the same story. And the staff member was like, yeah, your stories match. This makes sense. Maybe consider getting your own umbrella so we don't have to do this again. The staff was probably used to that old lady blowing the whistle on literally everything that she saw so they know not to take her seriously. That sounds accurate. (laughs) So I feel like I may have gotten called to DC a couple of times. I cannot remember what I got in trouble for other times. I believe this was the only incident where I was ever actually accused of something. The other ones, it might have been like forgetting to report my church attendance or not turning in a form on time. Or I did get caught with headphones a couple of times, but they don't they just take them away. It's not really a big deal. Yeah. Like procedural stuff. So obviously you're not a rule breaker, but let's so let's say you are a rebel. What resources are there available to assist you in your rule breaking? Like, how how would you go about finding like-minded individuals? So there is a campus urban legend that we do have to talk about, and that's Club Egypt. I don't know if this still existed by the time I was at PCC. I, I really don't think it did. But back in the 90s, according to legend, there was some boys dorm room that they would convert into basically an after hours nightclub after curfew. So they'd have alcohol, they'd have music, they even had a disco ball. I've heard stories about like dressing girls up in in, like long coats and hats to sneak them into the boys dorm to be in the club. Personally, I think that's probably a bit exaggerated, but I think some version of this probably was real at some point, maybe. By the time I was there, I did not hear any specifics of like, this is still a thing. But I guess this did function as a bit of a shibboleth because if you knew about Club Egypt, that didn't mean that you were necessarily looking to participate in whatever the 2013 version of that was, but it did mean that you had the good sense to Google the college before you went there. This was a thing. Both at Hiles Anderson and at Pensacola, there was a whole group of students who went there and bought the party line, hook, line, and sinker people who just believed whatever the administration told them. I was that student when I walked onto HAC campus in 2011, but I was a very different person by the time I left there and when I arrived at PCC. So were you looking for Club Egypt when you got to PCC? I wasn't looking to like go to Club Egypt, but I was looking for friends who had their eyes open enough that they took anything and everything the administration said with a bit of a eye roll or a grain of salt. Like I was I was involved as a student. I was a good PCC kid. I actually held elected office for my collegian, which is like a sorority, but 50% less fun. I wrote for school publications. I had a song that I wrote published on a school CD. I wasn't like the top tier fundy kid, but I wasn't looking for the bad kids either. I just didn't want anything to do with people who were into blind obedience. So you're looking for the medium kids. Yeah, I was trying to be homies with Mindy St. Clair. How big are the dorm rooms there? Because I'm thinking like, how do you have a nightclub in a dorm room? Not not huge, but the tower that I lived in, and I think most of them were similar, the rooms were maybe, you know how my my like front living room is really big? It's the living room and Jonathan's office. 
Yes. At least half of that. Oh. The, uh, enough for two bunk beds and some dressers and a big desk. And then two two dorm rooms would share like a Jack and Jill style bathroom between the two rooms. So I was sharing a bathroom with seven other people instead of like 50 other people. So that was an improvement for me. As far as the dorms, there was still inspection like at Hiles Anderson, like like lights out. You still get in trouble if you're not in bed at lights out. And there were no big dressers to hide in to skip church. So, yeah, the dorms in general were warmer and safer and cleaner than Hiles Anderson. So if you were trying to open an illicit nightclub in a dorm room, how many people do you think you could fit into, like, one room? If you, so if you pushed everything to the walls and absolutely packed people in shoulder to shoulder, like if you somehow stacked the bunk beds on top of each other or put them in the other room in the suite, uh, like shoulder to shoulder, everybody is touching everybody else, maybe 30 to 40 people. Like if you completely cleaned out the room... Yeah, I would think 30 to 40. Wow. So that's way more people than I would have expected. Because I guess I'm just used to dorm rooms at my college that were doubles. Yeah, Bible colleges don't like to do double rooms. More people means more accountability. In other words, more people per room means you're more likely to get somebody who will snitch if you're like secretly watching movies on your computer. Do you get to pick your roommates? Both HAC and PCC let you request people. So you could submit that you would like to room with a certain person. It wasn't guaranteed that you'd get it. Uh, so if they figure, oh, these two are both troublemakers, we better not have them live together. Right. Yeah. So to start a secret after hours club, you would have to get extremely lucky that nobody you're living with is like too square. Right. And you'd have to have some kind of bribe with the RA or be the RA. PCC is still a weirdo Christian college, so they do have lights out. And the RA will come around a few minutes after lights out to see if everybody's in bed. And you will get written up if you're not in bed with the lights out. So I googled Club Egypt and I uncovered one account that described Club Egypt as an illegal CD, a black light and 20 boys dancing in a common room. That sounds <laughs> probably very accurate. Yeah. I do think, yeah, sure, it's possible that they snuck a girl in once or twice. Um, like a girl. Like, I think it's probably really unlikely because each dorm had staff members in the lobby who were responsible for keeping track of who was going in and out. It's like the criminal justice students who are working on campus security for their work scholarship. I wonder what classes you would have to take a like, criminal justice major at PCC. Like, soliciting bribes 101 you know, snitching 231, trumping up charges 322 with Professor Wiggum. <laughs> I was going to say that a lot of the campus security are kind of Barney Fife types, but you don't know that reference. I don't. A lot of our listeners story. will get it, though. They all take their job very, very seriously. They yell a lot. Oh, that's kind of what you expect, though, when you have a repressive environment and then you give some people a little bit of power over others, it's going to go to their heads. Yeah. So the last thing I want to talk about is accreditation because PCC got tracks accreditation while I was a student there. Tracks is a national accrediting board, and it's like a middle step between not being accredited, like Hiles Anderson, and being regionally accredited, which is what regular colleges have. I remember thinking that this was pretty cool because the president sent every room a box of Krispy Kreme donuts to celebrate, so that was rad. Nice. This also ended up saving my butt years later because that accreditation is what allowed me to transfer my credits to an actual accredited college. Wasn't it a point of pride from AJ? 
see that they had no accreditation? Yes. So Heil's view was, we don't need the government to tell us what we can teach. We're accredited by God. And and that's kind of brings me to my closing thought on PCC. It's a much prettier face than any other fundamentalist college. And I'm not going to lie and say it's not objectively better. Because frankly, if I'm going to be someplace extremely religious with a lot of rules in an oppressive environment, learning fake history and being required to attend church services, I would damn well rather do it where I can go down a water slide at approved times and have decent food, not have to wear hosiery and get an education that's at least equivalent to a rich kid's private high school. PCC still has a serious campus sexual assault problem. They victim blame. It's an environment of fear. Their history is 100% revisionist, but we'll talk about the history and science, quote unquote, education in next week when we next week's episode when we talk about the Abeka curriculum. I just I can't judge them quite as harshly as AJC because I think that people are more likely to have a safe and okay experience at PCC than AJC. Like I said way back in the beginning of this episode, if somebody I loved said that they were going to HAC, I would try anything in my power to talk them out of it. But if somebody I loved said they were going to PCC, I wouldn't be quite that concerned. I would still try to talk them out of it, but it's not a dire situation like somebody saying they're going to Hiles Anderson. At least at PCC, they will encounter other students and probably some teachers who don't fully buy what the college is selling. Like I had some teachers who were 100% committed to the PCC way of life. Um, I had some teachers that were real, real fundy. <laughs> um, I got in a fight with a Bible teacher one time because he said that Jesus died on a Friday, which is not accurate. It was probably yeah. a Thursday. Is that I thought it what well then what's Good Friday? Good Friday is when people celebrate it, but if you if you're a biblical literalist and you believe that Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights, there aren't three days and three nights between Friday night and Sunday morning. So you got in a fight with this guy, and this guy's just patently wrong, like factually wrong. Right. But like that's the PCC stance. So he was like super about it. But I also had a teacher, I think the same semester, who came in on Monday mornings and for some mysterious reason wanted to teach very quietly with the lights off. I was informed by a classmate years later that she was super hungover all the time, <laughs> which was a bit of a light bulb moment for me. Yeah, I'm sure that there were a lot of things that flew over your head when you were there. There were. But not all PCC students are super fundies. So it wasn't like at Hiles Anderson, where everything went over everybody's head. It was just me. So I was a bit of a weirdo at Pensacola, but I had friends who helped me be less weird, and I had friends who really challenged me. I had a friend who was a Calvinist, which at the time was a huge moral conundrum for me because I did not believe that she was saved. Wow. <laughs> um, friends with a Calvinist? You might as well have been friends with a Muslim. She and I stayed up after, so she, she was my roommate, and we stayed up after Lights Out fighting about Calvinism quite a few really? times. And then it became clear to me that I did not know what I was talking about. Because they just told you Calvinism is from the devil. And right. And like, and... regardless of, I, like, I never came around to agree with her theology, but I realized that she knew her theology and I did not know mine. Like, all I had was was buzzwords and quotes, and she actually knew why she believed what she believed. So she really changed wow. my life. Well, that's surprising, though. Mm -hmm. You always talked about how much your dad would, like, teach you about, like, the, the like the ins and outs of it. Or did that come later? I, like, specifically Calvinism, I knew some basics, and I knew my basics well, but I did not have the depth of knowledge about my beliefs that she did about hers. 
she was just extremely well educated in her faith. Interesting. Oh, and like wow. I had bought into this, like I don't need this, like the HAC mindset of like I don't need to be educated about it. I just need to like be able to quote verses about why I believe what I believe. And I was probably oh. the world's worst roommate ever. <laughs> So if anybody that was my roommate at Pensacola is listening to this, I sincerely apologize. I was really weird and had no idea how to function. I really appreciate your patience with me. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I we've was, all been there. But I was exposed all- to people like who had different beliefs than me, and it was really a good experience in that regard. So that was like a, a real step towards you. Would, would you say that was like one of the early steps of your deconstruction? It really was. I'm I'm thankful. Like if I could go back and do it again, I would not go to Pensacola. I would go to an, a real like I would go to regular college. I would have gone if I could do it all over again, starting from when I left Hiles Anderson. You go to would, like hmm? Illinois. I would I would go to community college and just get like a secular degree in something. But that being said, I'm thankful for for Pensacola because it was a gentle transition into the real world. And I'm really thankful for some of the people who made an impact on me when I was there. I'm trying to imagine like what would have like if you if they'd thrown you like straight in from HAC now you're going to like a state university. You're going to have a bad time. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't have been able to do it. So No. So as as problematic as Pensacola is in a lot of ways, it was also a great for for me personally, it was a great step down. I don't know. Maybe if you'd like, you you go to HAC for your freshman year, the scop scandal breaks, and then you're like, well, I still believe in in you know the way that that Christianity is and all of that. I'm going to go to Pensacola for my sophomore year instead of HAC because of the scop scandal. And then from there, maybe the third year you go somewhere else. But you know, I can't I can't go back and change the past. Um, I at least appreciate uh, Pensacola giving me the opportunity to get my health on track. Yeah, I don't want. I don't and even want to think about what would have happened if I had eaten Hiles Anderson food for four years. Well, I mean, I know that I know that Hiles Anderson. You know, they they treated the the way that they treated your mental health was abysmal and probably criminal. Uh, like, was it any better at Pensacola, or were you just less? traumatized maybe pensacola just did not stack on new trauma like i was i was in a rough place from hiles anderson and i've talked about how i like went to everybody for counseling and cried and cried and cried when i was a hiles anderson student and there was still like that kind of thing going on at pensacola but i had um i had a teacher so i I told you i wrote for a college publication so the class for that was just me meeting with an english professor and she had she was part time because she had had several children and she was pregnant at the time. And like her, instead of being an English professor, she was just doing college publication. So she didn't have to stand up and teach classes. She just met with each of us for an hour a week and talked about our writing goals. And then we submitted our writing to her and then she put it in the publication if she liked it. So my entire class was one hour a week just sitting down with her. And she was so helpful. And she's extremely fundy. Like, she's very, very fundy. But I would tell her about stuff that I'd been through and, like, what things that were on my mind and things that were hurting me. And she was just sympathetic and cared in a way that people at Hiles Anderson didn't. Because they just had go to God with your problems. Yeah. And, like, the, the advice that she was giving me was still similar. It was still, you know, pray and get close to God. But it was delivered with so much more actual concern about my well-being. I think that's a good metaphor for the difference between the two of them, right? Yeah, it really is. It really is. 
Huh. There, there is like so many extremely problematic aspects about Pensacola, but I think overall it's a much safer place. So I think it's about time that we wrap up. Um, next week, Sadie, do you want to? Yeah, talk it's, about it's past time. <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about what we're talking about next week? Tell them what we're talking about next week. Yeah. So next week we're going to jump into the Abeka curriculum. Um, this week we really focused on like my time at PCC and my experience and the rules and the culture. Next week we're going to talk more about the institution of Pensacola Christian College, the curriculum that they put out, which is the Abeka curriculum. And and we're going to go through a Abeka science book, which is going to be fun. <laughs> so fun. So, so fun. Yeah. Oh, man. And if you like our show, uh, you can do several things. You can join our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. The Patreon version of this episode is going to be extremely longer than the version that's on streaming. So uh, if you want to catch up with those bonus outtake portions of the episode go to our patreon patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast if you want to uh talk to other fans of the show you can join our facebook group which is going to be facebook.com slash groups slash eden exodus you can join our subreddit which is going to be reddit.com slash r slash eden exodus uh, and you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Leaving Eden Podcast on Twitter at Leaving Eden Pod. We're going to have a Q&A episode coming up. So if you want to ask Sadie or me, I don't know why you want to ask me a question, but if you want to ask Sadie a question, um, you can send us an email uh, with that question at leavingedenpod at gmail.com or you can send us a voice message. We're going to try to play the voice messages on air if you send us a question via voice message. Sadie, would you like to plug your social media? Yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Sadie Carpenter Music or on Twitter at Hell Yes Sadie. You can also follow me on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. I might have some cool stuff coming on TikTok soon. We'll see. And you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Uh, man, but we hope that you guys have a great day. Bye bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.